Hopefully, this is the last time you hear this ad. With Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab an extra latte. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. That's chime.com slash goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have firsthand experience. Mosquito Marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. No Colin Brister with me today. He's out on assignment or as we like to call it, vacation. He'll be back next week. But up with me as guest co-host is former Ole Miss defensive lineman linebacker C.J. Johnson, a good friend of the program. And coming up in just a little bit on the Modern Women phone line is Shannon Singletary to kind of break down the whole process as far as phasing players back to campus. But C.J., what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm just enjoying life and trying to raise a baby. That's about it. Are you getting some sleep yet? Yeah, a little, a little, but not too much. Um, my little guy doesn't like to nap a lot, so uh, he kind of sleeps through the night, and he's up pretty early. <laughs> At least he's sleeping through the night, though. That's big. Yeah, but it's kind of hard to get it there. That's the thing we had a problem with with Gracie and then with Riley. Our biggest problem was not getting them to go to sleep. It was getting them to go to sleep anywhere but in our bed, and they stayed in our bed till I think Gracie was six and Riley was three. And finally, I said, okay, that's oh, enough. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of a wild sleeper, so him sleeping in the bed 
Visiting has kind of been a, a big, big adjustment. I told Emily, look, I can't sleep with them because they're going to kick me in the back. So I ended up sleeping in my office most of the time. So I got kicked out of my own bed. Screw it. It was done. Got to stop. Well, there's been times where I've, I've said, screw it, and I'm going to sleep on the couch. <laughs> uh, that, that's, happened. that's happened a couple of times. Well, there's no doubt there's a lot going on in our country right now, and I want to cover a lot of these topics with CJ in this edition of Talk of Champions. But before we really get into it, if you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes, also available in SoundCloud and Spotify, just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Impact by Ironwood. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. So what do you thought about everything that's going on right now? I don't know, man. It, it's a weird time um, um, right now, especially with the coronavirus and, and how it's, you know, played out over the last couple of months. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's sad, um, honestly. And I had this conversation uh, yesterday with a couple of my coworkers, and um, I was trying to explain to them that, you know, there's probably about 10,000 traffic stops a day um that happens throughout our country and the ones that, that do it right um you never hear uh from them um it's always the few guys um that doesn't do it right um and they're publicly criticized uh for the entire group um and there's times where it's warranted uh for the whole group because they're in some of these bigger cities in the United States um, there's um, definitely some systematic problems um, that go on within law enforcement, and it's not just a few people um, when it starts from the top. And so um, that's that's a thing um, in the bigger cities. But I've, I've always felt like here in Mississippi, um, you know, we're pretty oppressed um, as far as the you know the African American population, the Latino population um, in this state. But the one thing that uh, that all of us have in common as far as law enforcement is that a lot of those people um, that are in law enforcement in our communities in this state, uh, we grew up with their kids. Um, they were coaches um, in sports, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, soccer, whatever it is. And so to some extent, um, people know them in the community and they know who they are um, and they hang with them outside of work. And so, for us, I think it's a little bit different. Um, I think that's why you haven't seen as much of the riding and looting and all that, um, all that stuff is because those people know us and they know who we are. And so um, when we have um, a difference of opinion, you know, a lot of us voice our opinion. Um, and sometimes there's things that are, that are done the right way and sometimes it's not. But um, I just, I really feel bad for the Floyd family. Um I mean, the guy was, he was murdered on, you know, on camera. Uh, There's no other way to put it. Um, And the other three guys that sat there and watched him um, murder that guy, man, it's just, it's sad. Um, And I don't think those guys represent the large majority of law enforcement in this country. 
um, and probably in the city of uh, in Minneapolis. So you know, it's um, it's it's a weird time, but you know, hopefully that that the places where the changes need to be made, that it, it's made. You know, the thing that has been sticking out to me is how some try to make this situation into anything else than what it is. The right. original reason for the protest was because another black person was killed by police, and this time it was caught on video. We all saw it. I think the one thing that has really been sticking in my crawl is that you've seen, like you mentioned, blanketing different types of groups in order to fit them into these tightly contained boxes that fit a right. particular political side. Like, for example, all police are bad, or all the protesters are looters or extreme right. radical leftists. That's not what right. this is about. This is about another. Yeah. This is about another black person killed by police brutality. You're right. right. In our state, we know our local law enforcement. We know who they are. We grow up with most of them. Right. That can be good and bad because the bad part of it yeah. is, oh, you were a screw up throughout our time together growing up and now you're a cop. Right. But usually what happens is we can, because of our influence in knowing local cops, we can get rid of those type of people. That's not the same type of thing in major cities. And there is a systemic problem in this country in regards to racism and dealing with police in many respects. But I don't like the blanket being thrown on top of different particular groups just to fit a perfect political side. This is a conversation that's long overdue. And I think all of the protests, and protesters aren't looters, but all the protests out there, the general sentiment of all of them is we need to have the conversation and we're tired. We need change. And I think everybody just wants to see something done. Right. Um, and I think, you know, the interesting part about <clears throat> all of this um, is that, you know, go back to 2016 um, when the first time Colin Kaepernick takes a knee during the national anthem of a football game on a Sunday um, it breaks the world. I mean, you know, he's, you know, he's a, he's a terrorist. He's a, I mean, you know, he's an American terrorist. He's, he's this, he's that. He doesn't respect the flag. He doesn't respect our troops. He doesn't respect this country. Um, and I think now when you look back at all those people, uh, particularly in the media, uh, who had a big, big, big controversy uh, about that whole deal, where are those people now? Um, when the same very thing that he's protesting about, um, he's kicked out of the NFL and he hasn't played, you know, in a game since. Um, and so I think people people need to kind of be mindful of that. Um, you know, now's not a time for you to be silent. You weren't silent in 2016 when you take when you took a knee um, during the national anthem. So don't be, you know, silent now. Um, tell people how you feel. Um, and I think another thing is, is when you break into perspective with what happened to Ahmaud Arbery in Georgia uh, and then what happened to Breonna Taylor in Kentucky. Um, and then to see him on camera uh, be murdered like that, man, it, it it stoked a flame in this country that, that hasn't been stoked in a long time. And I think when you have people like uh, the district attorney come out and say, well, there's not enough evidence to charge the officer um, three or four days after the incident and it takes five, six days uh, before this officer is arrested. Um, and then you have cases like Breonna Taylor, uh, who was killed in Louisville in her home, um, and her boyfriend, who had the right to protect himself in his own home. Um, the police come in unannounced, kicked the door in, and, and just started firing. 
um, and, and you know, and recklessly killed her. Um, and I think that's why in Louisville, this is starting to, it's starting to overshadow Minneapolis a little bit because they see what happened to that guy. So we can only imagine off camera uh, what happened to Breonna Taylor, um, you know. And so that's that's the hard part for me. And then the other hard part um, that I've really struggled with, and, um, you know, just being to myself, people talk about, man, it's really, really, you know, it's bad what happened, you know, to that guy. But it's absolutely wrong to be, you know, destroying property. Um, you know, and looting and stuff like that, um, that the looting needs to stop um, and, you know, burning people's destroying property needs to stop. Um, but what about it needs to stop when it comes to killing unarmed black men? Um, yeah, I get that, you know, the destroying property and the looting and stuff is not right, but that can be fixed. A building can be restored. You know, product can be repurchased, remade. Um, but a human life um, cannot. It affects so many people. Um, it just, it's sad, man. But um, I think we need leadership um, from the state and local levels of all these places where all this rioting is going on. I think um, that's the most important thing right now is that people that are in powerful positions who are leading these communities need to step up and, you know, try to put an end to to um, some of the stuff that's going on, but at the same time, fight, you know, make sure that there's a real change. You know, I saw it yesterday where um, they said that the, the civil rights uh, investigation was going to start in the Minneapolis Police Department. Um, I think that helps. Um, you know, uh, why not investigate some of these police departments in these major cities? What's It, it does more good than, than it does harm. Um, for the officers, yeah, it's a tough job. I get it, but, you know, you can't, go into law enforcement and go to a routine traffic stop. And all of a sudden there's a black guy in the car and because you're a white officer, you know, you feel threatened. Um, I think that that's, that really has to stop. Um, the officer shouldn't be able to hide behind. Um, I fear for my life. Um, when there's situations and instances where people are unarmed, there's a way to deescalate the situation. Me having a background in criminal justice, taking ethics and law enforcement is one of the biggest things that really um, make up of their job. Um, even if they pull you over at a traffic stop, regardless of what you do, that traffic stop could lead to them actually arresting you. But they have the discretion. The discretion, I think, when you have people who have that amount of discretion, you know, they feel they get to the point where they've done a couple of things. And, Nobody said nobody said anything about it, and it was illegal. Um, and then now those bad habits start to continue. And then over a time, you know, um, something like of this magnitude happens. The guy that, that actually killed George Floyd, he had shot a man not even less than 10 years ago. And so had he been thoroughly reviewed, right, and not been able to continue in law enforcement, then none of this would have never happened. I think that's the... That's the biggest thing is that we ought to we ought to look at a way to protect officers so that they can enforce the law, but at the same time we have to try to minimize uh, some of the power that they have. I mean, something simple as a traffic stop in this country, you sh you could be arrested, but giving an officer discretion to arrest me or not for a traffic stop, I think that's just absolutely absurd, you know. And then it leads to guy pulls up to the car. 
Um, I've, I've been pulled over before. A guy says, well, it smells like there's drugs in here. Um, you know, I searched in my vehicle and find nothing. Um, and it starts, you know, harassing me once they don't find anything and try to basically get, you sure? You sure? Well, what, well, where are you going? What are you doing? You know, why are you out at, you know, such and such time? It's just, it's not, it's not right for them to have, you know, so much power. You bring up a couple of really important points that I think uh, need to be addressed. There was such a visceral, angry reaction from many in regards to Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. It had nothing to do with the flag, nothing to do with disrespecting the country, nothing to do with the anthem. And Ole Miss players did the same thing when there was a Klan protest on campus led by a self-professed Mississippi State fan during the national anthem of a basketball game. And some people are still upset about that. But again, it was never about that. It was about the racism that these kids have dealt with every single day, and they're tired of it. They love the flag. They love their country. They love their country so much that they want to bring attention to a real issue, and people actually pay attention to it when you take a knee at that point in time. And I wish there was more empathy and a more willingness to listen rather than think immediately and paint with a broad brush and say, wait a minute, those kids are disrespecting the flag. No, they're not. They're not. They're taking a knee in peaceful protest, which is a constitutionally protected right. So that's one thing that I think is very important. Um, the Colin Kaepernick protests, whether you agree with them or not, was never about disrespect. It was more about bringing real attention to an issue that mattered. And there was a more visceral reaction to that for some than there was for the cop taking a knee on the back of George Floyd's neck and killing him. And that's Absolutely. what has really... Um, Messed me up pretty good thinking about that, and, and, and I don't know how to convey that to people without them immediately getting angry, because I don't want you to get angry. I want to be able to have the conversation, and I don't think many people want to have the conversation anymore because we're so polarized in this country from our political stances. I don't consider myself particularly political. I just want people to be able to live their lives and not live in fear, and that's something that I can't speak to because I don't live in that every single day, so I get comfortable, right. and I don't know what George Floyd lived through. I don't know what you lived through. Because being black in Mississippi is different than being white in Mississippi. And you brought up another really good point, too. Absolutely. Um, No one is pro-looting. No one. No one believes that looting is a good thing. The vast majority of the things going on as far as protests in this country are peaceful. But yet, national media coverage will focus more on the looting aspects of it and all that stuff, which is unfortunate. It's kind of tragic in a, in a sense because you're losing the message and people who would otherwise be on your side get lost in that because they see what right. the media wants you to see. And the looting is something that is bad and no one agrees with. No one is pro-looting. You hear people say it's horrible that an innocent black man was killed but destroying property has to stop. It needs to be reversed, does it not? It's horrible that property is Absolutely. being destroyed but killing innocent black men has to stop. We have to prioritize the right thing. Both things can be true. And, you know, uh, it's funny that you bring up uh, the media um, as far as, you know, the the portrayal between the actual peaceful protest um, and the looting and the burning up vehicles, the vandalism um, and all of that. It's so ironic. It's very, very ironic when a white kid goes to school or church or someone's home uh, and kill them. Um, the parents are allowed to come on TV and talk about you know, how good their child was, um, you know, and, and just how good of an angel um, that, you know, this person who went and did these horrible things were, um, you know, where's the the outrage when a guy like Dylan Roof can go in a church 
and killed 12 black people unarmed. And he goes to Burger King before he goes to jail. Why isn't he killed? Um, you know, or the Boston Marathon bomber who blows up millions of people. Why isn't he killed? Um, you know, and it's so and it's so ironic um, that when a guy like uh, Mike Brown gets killed by the cops, well, he was stealing, or he's he he's got a criminal history, um, or when George Floyd gets murdered, he's got a criminal history. Um, that he was there for writing a bad check. He was going to jail. He's a bad person. Um, and it just it's so ironic that when a black man is innocently killed, his character is assassinated versus when a white kid commits a, a horrible act in shooting up a school or a church. Um, he's talked about at what kind of person he was and that this was just a, a, a raised accident. That portrayal in the media has to change um, when people are killed. Um, you saw immediately um, on Fox News and CNN about George, you know, George Floyd having a criminal past. But having a criminal past should not, and being black and writing a bad check should not lead to a death sentence. And I think that's the most frustrating part for me and a lot of people who look like me is that when we see this happen, it constantly happens over and over and over and over again. And so when is the media going to say, you know, when a Dylan Roof goes in a church and kills 12 people, that he's a terrorist, he's a murderer? You know, he's a bad, bad person. You know, he, he should never see the light of day. How is he unarmed and arrested? When a black man is unarmed, he's not arrested, he's killed. That's the real question. And um, something that's really an issue that everyone needs to pay attention to, all the rioters, all the protesters, they're not Antifa. They're not the same. Painting with a broad brush like that I is dangerous. Know what the hell that is. It's, it means anti-fascism, and there are some bad actors in that. That's 100% true, and all of us would agree that distorts the message. That hurts the right. message. And so protesters, they're on your side in terms of they don't want that either. They don't want the looting. They don't want the violence. They're against that. To say that's the right. radicalized left and painting that broad brush for everybody, that's unhealthy. It used to be that we could have a conversation in this country. We right. can debate in this country without everybody saying they're the enemy, they're the enemy. We're all Americans, and the vast majority of us, with the big, big issues, agree. Like, for example, with looting being bad. Looting is bad. Right. All looting is bad. Not just the looting that you're seeing on TV right now, right. but looting, for example, when 40 million people have lost their jobs because of coronavirus and unemployment going to Absolutely. levels we haven't seen since the Great Depression, and then $2 trillion worth goes to the biggest earners in this country in Wall Street. That, to me, is looting. So any kind of looting is bad, and we all agree that it's bad. The question is the solutions to solve the problems. And, and that's one thing that bothers me, is that I always see that. You see one side saying, well, everyone of this group is bad, everyone of that group is bad. The other side said, everyone of this group is bad, everyone of that. We have to stop painting with such a broad brush, because this is an issue that African Americans, and I can't speak to the experience. I am not African American. You can. But this is something that y'all have dealt with your entire life. And being black in Mississippi is a totally different animal, too. And that's why you're seeing locally the conversation about Confederate statues, whether or not they should come down. And the argument against them coming down is you can't disrespect history. For a student athlete coming to Ole Miss and seeing a 
Confederate statue on the square. What is that like, and how do you deal with it? You know, again, it goes back you know, to the previous question. You know, to start my answer, um, it's so ironic. People were brought over to this country in chains, right? All of a sudden, they get to this land, and they're the first people to ever discover it. How can you discover something if people are already there? Right? So it goes back to you're trying to protect a part of your history, but one is not even valid. It's not true. Christopher Columbus did not discover, um, discover America. There were Indians already here. Um, so we celebrate one of the worst holidays in American history as far as Christopher Columbus Day because he's, he's just another white man. He didn't do anything special. People were already here. Um, and so when you talk about the Confederacy, you're protecting a part of your history. Um, if anything, black people should be praised and appreciated because you're standing on what they built. Slaves built this country. Slaves built this state. Um, and so you're trying to say you're protecting the history of your people. You're trying to protect the history of your people that stood on the backs of my people. So where, where do I fit in in this? You know, and so I think it's, it's a big rep, misrepresentation um, in this country. Um, and the second part that really, really ticks me off is that we're trying to preserve the Confederacy when they lost. They didn't win. They lost the war. So what is the point of trying to protect this flag of a colony of people who lost. They shouldn't have any relevance in history, right? America always celebrates winners, right? Throughout the history of this country, that's what you've been told. That nobody remembers the loser. They always remember the winner. Well, there's a lot of people we celebrate as winners that have lost and have lost miserably. And so I think everything that the Confederacy stood for, the fact that we're still having to fight and say that the Confederate flag has no place in the Mississippi flag um, and the Confederate flag has no place in this country. I think it's just, it's asinine to me um, that we're still debating this um, some, you know, 200 something years later. We'll get right back to former Ole Miss defensive lineman, linebacker CJ Johnson in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuel Scarcer Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. Two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now, I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not gonna be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. 
They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Allen Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. History does need to be preserved but it doesn't need to be constantly on display in everyone's face, especially for those who have such a visceral reaction to it in a negative way. Right. Reading your basic history book in the Mississippi Articles of Secession in January 9th of 1861, it was written, Our position is thoroughly identified with the institution of slavery, the greatest material interest of the world. So anyone that says that the Confederate movement was about states' rights, well, yes, about a state's right to keep slaves and own slaves. Right. Every Saturday, black African-American players going out there to play for your team wearing Ole Miss on the helmet. And for an institution that has moved so far away from its past, why is this something that you want to stand for when you're telling them right now? It's hurtful. It's painful. You know, and it's funny because the same statues were, you know, fighting to get taken down were built by black people. <laughs> It's a trying time, uh, and the one thing that um, you know, I made a promise to to uh, to myself was that one, I was never gonna stop fighting for my people, uh, for my son, for my nephew, for my nieces, and my my younger cousins. They need change, and I'm afraid that if my generation doesn't fight for change or stand up for change, that you know, the steps that you know. My my dad and my granddad and my mom and my grandmother's made, you know, would kind of go by the wayside because now this is, you know, one of the most pivotal times in this country for a lot of people. And I think this year is going to really, really dictate how this country is going to be talked about for the next century. I think this year is really, really going to change the way our country is ran over the next, you know, 50 to 100 years. Honestly believe that if we had any other commander-in-chief that name was not Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, we would not be in this situation. We have constantly and constantly argued. That's what it's been about for the last, now, 20 years. There's absolutely no progression. Again, the irony of it is that the original Constitution, I was three-fifths of a person. Right. That's the most sacred doctrine in our country, the most sacred documents of our country. African-Americans were three fifths of a person. So if those documents can't be changed or, you know, or whatever the case may be, then how is the systems of this country going to change for black people? I mean, I, I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a question that I honestly ask a lot of people 
um, who don't look like me and that are constitutionalists and they have no answer. Absolutely none. It's hard to find one when a document that's so sacred in this country was written. It was only written for one set of people. So if you truly care about those same kids that are going to go out there on that field this fall and root your ass off because they're playing football, then have the ability to see them as a member of this society. The guys that are looting are thugs, but the people in Charlottesville, they were good people on both sides. I don't want to talk about political sides anymore. I want to talk about being American, what it means to be American. And that's something that I think is lost. I think in this country, one thing we've lost, and a lot of it has to do with the advent of social media, is the ability to be empathetic and to listen to someone else. My question is, why can't we have the conversation without it descending into something that it's not, which is what it seems like is happening right now in this country? And that's, for me, quite tragic. Yeah, it is. It's very tragic. Um, And and that's the one thing that um, my mom always told me growing up um, that she said there's three, or she said actually there's three things I want you to remember. Uh, She said the first thing is she said you always, and I repeat, you always be nice to cops. Don't say anything. Shut up and do what you're told. The second thing is to never publicly discuss religion. And the third thing is, is never discuss openly publicly politics. Um, because it's just, I've all, and, I, and this is just my opinion. People can hate me for this or, or whatever. But I honestly feel like the state of Mississippi has absolutely, positively, no outcome in the presidential election. What the hell is voting for the president really going to do for us in this state? The political battle right now in this country is that everybody can get on social media um, and spew whatever they want, whether it's lies or facts, um, and people believe it. I appreciate you coming on and talking about it, because this is... um... This is a topic I didn't know if I wanted to address on this podcast, and I didn't want to take a side on anything other than George Floyd was murdered, we saw it, and justice needs to be done. And too often, in cases like this, where a policeman kills an unarmed black person, the policeman gets off without any charge. And I think that has been what has really led to all of this civic unrest recently, is now that you've seen it on video... You saw a black man in George Floyd murdered, saying he can't breathe. And with a policeman having a knee on his neck for nine plus minutes, no one, whether you're Republican, Democrat, indifferent, libertarian, I don't care. No one wants to see justice not be served because this is what happened. And this is an uncomfortable reality. And my experience is not the same as C.J. Johnson's experience. So I didn't know how I wanted to address it, but I knew that if I got CJ on, he would at least be honest. Shannon Singletary is coming up in just a second on the Modern Women phone line, but before we get to it, if you had to give any advice, like Kenny Yeboah, he talked about how he now plays for a school that the state flag still flies Confederate. The state flag issue, you talked about it, touched on a little bit earlier, but for any player out there that has that type of opinion, is that a universal opinion in your time as not only a player but a coach? Yeah, uh, for sure. And um, don't don't feel alone. Uh, there's people um, every day uh, that fight uh, for this to change. Um, and hopefully we will see change. Uh, and the last thing uh, before I go, I appreciate you for having me on. Uh, it's always nice coming on, being able to talk to you. 
Um, he's been such a good friend of mine um, throughout these years, uh, almost last 10 years. So um, I just need to say that um, and you are a great man. You're a great gentleman. You know, I appreciate you for having me on and you know, kind of touch up on what you just said about, you know, cops not being charged. There's been 386 unarmed African-Americans that have been killed by the cops um, and not one has been charged. So um, just wanted to leave with that. And I appreciate you for having me on, bro. They don't come any better than C.J. Johnson. Going to go now to the Modern Women phone line and speak to Shannon Singletary, Senior Associate AD for Health and Sports Performance for Ole Miss. Before we do, if you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say, just leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify, just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and food of 247 Sports. Before we jump to Shannon, let's hear from Modern Woodman and B&A Bank. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman Phone Line is Shannon Singletary, Senior Associate AD for Health and Sports Performance for Ole Miss. Shannon, you're making your first appearance on Talk of Champions, man, and it's the perfect time for you because you've been a busy man lately. Well, it's, uh, I wish I was coming in, you know, a different situation and just talk about, uh, you know, wins and losses and how strong we are and that kind of thing, but uh, that's okay. Uh, it is what it is, and uh, uh, glad to be here and uh, helping Ole Miss Athletics. Well, thanks for coming on, and, and like I mentioned, you've had your hands full the last couple of months preparing for the phasing in of kids to campus. And we'll talk about that in just a second. News came down Wednesday. I know you can't identify the people involved here, but three cases of COVID discovered when you got people back on campus. What is the process in terms of dealing with that and quarantine and all that stuff? Yeah, sure. Thanks for, thanks for asking. You know, obviously uh, with the number of athletes that we have and the positivity rates that are going around the country, we, this is why we've been working so hard. Um, we knew we would have some positive cases. And uh, the reason why we use testing as a part of our physical, and this is how we found out about these cases, 
uh, is because um, the testing part is how you prevent the spread uh, so that you don't wipe out a whole team or, you know, take, uh, when I mean wipe out, I mean having to isolate an entire team for for, for 14 days. But let me tell you, it all started with the, with the phone screens, uh, 72 hours before the arrival of the athletes. And remember, we, we were bringing our fall sports in first. So the very first day was a mixture of football and, and soccer and some other athletes. Um, 72 hours before that they first arrived here, our athlete trainer started calling each athlete and went through a series of questions such as, uh, where have you been the last three months? Uh, where have you traveled? Uh, have you been around anybody with COVID-19? Are you having any symptoms? Just tell me what's going on in your life um, type of questions as well. Three athletes were actually flagged due to the screening, um, and we had them stay back home, talk to their providers, get tested there, and we told them we would allow them to come to campus once we get a negative result from that test, um, and we talked to their doctors back home. Two of those athletes tested negative, and they were allowed to come home. One athlete from an, um, from one of our sports had to stay home because they tested positive at home. So one of those three were were athlete was an athlete that didn't make it to our campus. They were tested at home. The um, the other two people we're talking about one's an employee. Obviously, they're at home, um, isolating at home. The university health and employee health here on, here on campus have been advising that person on how to uh, function around their family going through all the precautions that a family needs to go through as they isolate for 14 days. Um, the athlete, uh, on the other hand, is now in our isolation protocol. And so because of the way we had the physical set up, the way our building modifications are set up, staying people staying six feet apart, wearing masks, uh, hand sanitizer in and out the doors, that allowed us to, to work our contact tracing um, piece of it um so let me back up first and talk about the isolation so that person was removed um, from our facilities and sent into one of the isolation units that our campus has established for people who are positive so they were moved into an isolation apartment here on campus and we will be checking on them they'll have access obviously to food all that good stuff uh educate them on what they can do obviously they'll be isolated from other people so we'll be checking on them every day um, for 14 days. If they become symptomatic, right now they're not even symptomatic. They wouldn't even know they had it, had we not tested them. So that's a great thing. Um, we will check on them and monitor their symptoms while they're in the isolation protocol. And so far, um, we haven't, the Mississippi Department of Health will also be doing contact tracing, determining who is actually a close contact. And it goes by definition, right? So a true close contact, those people that have to be quarantined, um, they have to be within six feet for a continuous amount of time, more than just brief. It has to be, I believe, for 15 minutes. And so by the way, because of the way we had the building set up and all the restrictions in place, we haven't identified um, any uh, true close contacts. So it's not like we're going to have to pull out a whole position group or an entire offense or defense or anything like that. Right now, it appears that that person has been isolated. Um, and then um, the Mississippi Department of Health will let us know if they believe there's any close contacts. We haven't found them. Obviously, they'll do their job and they'll be working with the, with the athlete that's positive to determine close contacts and, and ed- educate them. Uh, if they do, um, 
if they do find a close contact, those close contacts will be quarantined where they currently live, educated, monitoring their symptoms as well, and we'll treat them if we need to, um, um, or we'll just continue to monitor them for 14 days. You touched on it earlier, but this is an inevitability that y'all prepared for. Oklahoma State, for example, had five cases on its own. So testing all of your kids, testing all your personnel, testing all your employees, that's part of it. And you know that you're going to get positive cases. So what type of work was put in over the course of the last couple of months as y'all prepared to get these people back on campus that ensured um, that when you did inevitably get some positive cases that uh, you could identify it and you could do the steps necessary to take care of them? Because y'all put a lot of work in. We really did. I'm going to be honest with you. We actually started meeting. Um, so Keith Carter um, appointed me to, to be on the campus response team. And at the time, in mid-February, he was calling me with, hey, uh, you know, there's obviously you've heard about COVID-19. There's this virus. And so um, I want you to be a part of the provost's campus committee to represent athletics to make sure we're on the same page as this thing moves forward. Uh, at the time, it wasn't even close to Mississippi, right? And so that was literally in mid-February. And so we've been meeting each week. As it got close to spring break, literally, we started putting in 10 or 12-hour days. The first phase was, how do you get the athletes home? How do you care for them at home? How do you care for their families? Uh, what are their needs? How do you continue to get them to work out? Some of them were rehabbing at the time or needed surgery. So we were having to do telemedicine, um, set up appointments at home. And so it was a lot of work in that process. I know that's not exactly what you asked, but I want to make sure we, you know, paint that picture of the work that was put into making sure our athletes were safe at home. The next phase was, like you said, now it looks like we can come back uh, um, two months from now, which back then was June. And we were looking forward to this June date, maybe. Um, at that point in time, again, literally 10, 12-hour days of between the medical and facilities, the folks on campus looking at everything from building modifications to what is the current guidelines from the CDC. We drew on multiple experts. For example, just the athletic subcommittee alone that we have for reopening athletics, there's about nine or 10 of us, uh, folks from the University Medical Center, um, other folks, consultants from the SEC. Um, Dr. Crowther did a great job of bringing in uh, He's our team physician, our team doctor of other infectious disease experts to help guide us in how we need to prepare our buildings. So, yeah, tons of work. Uh, we've been relying on, obviously, the city of Oxford's reopening plans. We had to make sure that the campus was aligned with the city of Oxford, but also the state of Mississippi. And, of course, the NCAA was also making recommendations. So it's been a real chore of designing a plan, and ours is about a 40-page document, that aligns with all of those uh, different entities to get approved for our athletes to come back. Obviously, you get recommendations, like you mentioned, from the CDC, from the SEC, from these different voices that tell you what you need to do, what guidelines you need to follow, but you have to specialize that for Ole Miss. So when you went walking through the Manning Center, for example, and knew you had to have some sanitation stations here, got a rope off the team meeting room, how did you come to those decisions? How did the entire decision-making process work for Ole Miss Brass? You know, um, our provost here did a wonderful job, Noel Wilkin, of, of bringing in how other countries, uh, before it spread so fast here in the United States, but what did the other countries do? Um, countries like Taiwan. Taiwan was very successful 
and how they handled uh, COVID-19. So some of the ideas and everything have actually been pulled from other countries um, that uh, went through the same thing way before us. For example, we knew that the, the, the best research and the best guidelines told us that one of the best things to do is to have hand sanitizer ability going into the buildings and coming out of the buildings. So we ramped up all that. We added 200 uh, new hand sanitizing stations uh, to our building, all of our staff. We hand sanitize in, we hand sanitize going out. Um, and so and then if you look in the modifications into the building, we actually measured each room in the Manning Center to determine how many people can now occupy places like the team room where y'all do your press conferences after our ball games? How many people can now occupy this room if you have to have a six foot clearance all around that person? Went from about 189 seats down to 40. And so all those seats have been now blocked off except for those 40 that are socially distanced. Um, and so, yeah, we just we went through every room where um, our staff and our addicts are going to be. We removed the chairs and tables that we didn't need in there. We set up hand sanitizers out. We used good hand sanitizer bottles on their desk, cleaning supplies all in each offices um, so that people can wipe down stuff at the end of each day. Um, and then, like for the training room and the weight room, we literally have these giant sprayers that um, next week, after each weightlifting group, the entire room will be sprayed. It takes about 15 minutes to dry. And so... Yeah, just a lot of work and going into going into each room. It's modified operations. So after we did these restrictions, we bring the football staff in and, and the director of operations and say, hey, this is what you got. Let's talk now about what your operations look like, and let's see how we make those operations work in a new normal. We'll get right back to Shannon Singletary in this edition of Talk of Champions. But first, let me tell you about Brennan Chapman. Yes, that Brennan Chapman, who's now a sponsor of Talk of Champions. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at brennanchapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. As far as the players are concerned, you had the football players start reporting in on Monday, then newcomers a day later. How was that? How did the players respond to it? And was it a pretty seamless process? Obviously, you had a positive case and uh, all that stuff, but was it a pretty seamless deal? Did it work like you wanted it to? Yeah, you know, it was almost kind of like the players, um, they knew they were going to be tested and you have the whole nasal swabs, blood drawn, and it's kind of new. And what I found was very surprising um, I was expecting it to be this this big, joyous occasion and, and ha- people wanting to hug and give high fives because they haven't seen each other in three months. But it was actually almost more of a, a professional attitude. Uh, it's almost like they were too nervous to do anything wrong. <laughs> 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 and step off the edge, you know? 
it was really surprising. It really was. Obviously, we had some athletes that wanted to go inside six feet, but we had the people there, you know. And we're, we're not looking for every single mistake. We're not the COVID police. We have to teach people. I, people are tired of hearing me say this, but I'm telling our staff during the staff education, during the athletic education, you have two choices here. And I don't know who put this out, but I read it a couple months ago, and I really like it. And you've probably heard this before. But uh, we had two choices. We can either hire a bunch of lifeguards to police this thing, or we could teach a whole lot of people to swim. And so we've been trying to teach people to swim. And we're not there to, to slap their hand every time, but we've also put a message out there that, hey, look, if we do have a widespread, or if we have to quarantine an entire position group, if we don't do things right inside of our building, we're going to be forced to isolate or quarantine an entire position group for 14 days. Those kind of things are ringing true with these athletes, and they're really, I think, they, they mean well. They want to do the, what they need to do to get back on that field because they've seen what it's like not going through spring training, and they don't want to skip a fall. One thing I talked to Keith Carter about a little while back was that once you get players back on campus, the goal is you don't want to have to cut it off. You don't want to have to stop because if you have to stop, who knows when Ole Miss, any school out there, can pick back up again. So – for you guys, that has to go into the considerations as well as far as the preventative measures and stuff like that. And I think that kind of bleeds into the players' point of view and how they deal with this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That's right. Um, you know, our committees have looked at this kind of like uh, building a house. You add your foundation, then you add layers to that house. What we're hoping to do is that if we have a positive case, we're just pulling that layer off the top and we have our foundation and our supporting blocks. So instead of, if we have some positive cases and, and we, we have to quarantine some, some players, and let's say we move, have to remove six or seven or eight people, we pull that block away. Maybe that practice starts to look a little bit different, but we don't stop the entire team from practicing. Or maybe we delay going into contact practices or something like that, but we're still able out able to be out there to get better. Does that make sense? We did, We don't want to shut the entire function down. So we've tried to build this thing to where if there is an outbreak on campus, no matter which unit, athletics or the band or whatever, we're able just to pull back segments of that operation and not shut down the entire operation, if that makes sense. It does. And it also begs the question about Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, because now that players are making their way back to campus, fans immediately are going to think, okay, can we go to the games? And right now, I don't think there's any definitive answer other than y'all are monitoring the information. But have y'all started to make plans for that as far as social distancing, Vaught-Hemingway Stadium capacity, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff? What's the conversation like? Yeah, you know how I told you the first phase was take care of the players, get them back home. The second phase was to get the athletes back here training and practicing and developing young men and women. And starting, well, it started way before, but last week, uh, you know, Keith really charged this committee with, hey, look, uh, I know y'all been working really hard, but now we really need to hone in on what do events look like and how do we design these um, stadiums and restrictions and all that good stuff. Uh, we obviously we want to be as aggressive as we can, and at the same time we want to be as safe as we can. I will say this: that there 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 is more than hope now, um, especially looking at Oxford with uh, bringing in you know I think they got like a 120 team little league baseball team coming in this weekend, um, and so there, there there's hope. 
and and I and I do see a football season, and um, you know whether or not it's fifty percent, seventy five percent of the stadium. Yeah, I know we don't know those answers yet. However, we've already started working very hard in three different scenarios based on that capacity. Okay, full, slightly full, or you know, you know, pretty generously mod- you know, modified uh, seating capacity. So we're going to work every single scenario so that when we those restrictions are lifted, they re-advance to that next phase and everything. So we're kind of like building that house that I talked about earlier. We're going to go ahead and start looking at laying, at putting layers in this thing and looking at what concessions look like, the club areas look like, the bowl areas look like. How many, we've even talked about how many people are around the sideline. And, and hey, and for you, Ben, um, Kyle Campbell's uh, done a great job of, of, of teaching us what the media looks like. Um, people on the sidelines in terms of media, press conferences and all that, we're even um, looking into to seeing what we need to do even about that. So, um, so many layers to it. Uh, but, yeah, our, we got a committee, uh, that athletic subcommittee that was built just to get them back here has now expanded literally by about nine people uh, this week. And so now we're, we're honing in. And, and, and looking at planning for competitive events in every sport. I'm kind of shocked that the media is in the conversation because honestly, I figured we were just going to do Zoom calls until, I don't know, a vaccine showed up. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, you know, I, yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's all kind of opinions on that. Um, you know, I still think this, that um, uh, obviously be great for a vaccine. And uh, we want those researchers to continue and to really uh, to make that possible. But at the same time, we have to continue our universal precautions. We have to continue, just like we did in the 80s and the 90s when different outbreaks occurred. We have to continue to learn um, to, you know, appropriately do hand sanitizing and, and uh, socially distance when we can and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that you know, a vaccine going to keep us from doing that kind of stuff. I think we need to continue to, to really, uh, you know, practice that. And this this uh, technology and Zoom and all of this, I mean, um, let's keep doing that. Let's bring that, um, you know, with us. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think we'll, we'll continue to monitor everything. We'll continue to, to, to build in scenarios, plan for scenarios. So that whatever scenario we're faced with on September the 6th or whenever that first ball game is, we have a plan in place. What would be your best advice for Ole Miss fans listening right now for them to do their part? You know, I tell you, I, I, I think, um, number one, um, have an open mind uh, and listen. I know that this has been a long process, and I know that um, – everybody's really frustrated and it's summertime and we want to get outside. Um, and so I think the best thing that we can all do is still, uh, be very patient, be open-minded to the guidance, understand that, uh, we're not in this forever. And if we continue to do our part, uh, with all the restrictions and the advice that we're given, they're going to be lifted. These restrictions are going to be lifted. Uh, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think, um, you know, I like to run marathons, and uh, one thing that we always say when you train for marathons is that the best marathoners, uh, best marathoners are those that are comfortable being uncomfortable. And so right now, this is very uncomfortable. 
But uh, in this thing, and let's just all stay together, be very positive, uh, continue doing hand sanitizing and, and, and washing appropriately, wearing masks appropriately when they're supposed to, uh, staying healthy, and uh, let's be ready to roll when we get the green light. Well, last one, I'll let you go. The NBA announced on Wednesday that the season's coming back in late July, I think July 31 through October 12, 22 teams going to Orlando. They're splitting it up. They're playing in one spot. What does it mean or how important is it then for the college game to see pro leagues take the lead? I think it's very important. Um, obviously you don't want anybody to be a pilot study, right? You don't, you know, um, you don't want to, to see what happens to them. Uh, you don't need bad things to happen from them, but um, we certainly will be looking and um, really drawing uh, a lot of information from that, um, especially from the fan side and, and, what the fan engagement is like. Um, we really want to watch that. The, the thing that we have to be very cautious of is that when you start applying exactly what they can do in the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball to college sports, it's um, it's tough. For example, on an NFL uh, football team, there's, what, 55 on a roster? And here we have 130. We have a lot more staff to deal with. We have a lot more sports to deal with. We're not a professional league. So uh, there's been a lot of uh, speculation that, uh, you know, if the NFL tests three times a week, well, should the NCAA test their football teams uh, three times a week? Well, uh, across the amateur sport, and we have over 125 um, players, and then you have uh, another 40 staff. Um, It's very expensive, but also um, we need to be planning what we're going to do for soccer that plays twice a week. Where we do for volleyball that plays twice a week. And so we just have a lot more layers to it uh, than a pro sport does. But I do think we will draw valuable information into their transmission rate, uh, the spread just amongst their players. We need a lot of information from that. So we will be drawing from um, experiences from how the players um, function with each other and their cleaning procedures and the NBA and that kind of stuff will draw a lot of valuable information. But I think even more so, we're going to draw a lot of valuable information from their fan experience. Uh, we will be able to see if they allow fans later on into the season, um, what's the transmission rates uh, between fans and in those cities. So there's a lot of valuable information that we could draw from the pro leagues, but it's, um, it's certainly not apples to apples when you deal with amateur sports and you're dealing with so many different sports. Uh, take, for example, Ole Miss has 18 uh, sports and 400 athletes versus just um, a 25-member uh, basketball coaching staff and, and NBA players. He's Shannon Singletary, Senior Associate AD for Health and Sports Performance at Ole Miss. Thanks for coming on and doing this, man, and making a lot of sense out of the stuff we're all hearing but not quite understanding. I appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, anytime. Thanks a lot. I appreciate everything you guys do. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com slash Goals24. That's Chime.com slash Goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.